Graham Roundtree has been announced as uh, the new coach of Munster Rugby. That was such a big momentum changer for me. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, Wednesday Night Rugby coming at you slightly earlier than usual. Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times on the line. Hey, Jerry. Hey, how you doing, Joe? You well? Very well. I wanted to talk to you just about where the URC is as it makes its way now, uh, most of the way at this stage through its inaugural season, this uh, version of this competition, and we've seen quite a few of them. So, for instance, uh, quite a few uh, journalists writing about the viewing figures, and these were based on uh, the Nielsen numbers. So it seems records are being broken on that front for sure. Uh, URC is drawing over a million viewers each weekend. Uh, the current total of 13.3 million viewers up to around 12 already beats all of last year's version of this competition. So on that front, very positive terrestrial TV now involved and South African eyeballs, I presume as well, explain all that. I, in broader terms, how do you think this version of the uh, competition, the URC, is betting in? I think it's betting in well for one major reason, Joe, and that's a, it's on terrestrial television. So it's very accessible now mm. in a way that it hasn't always been in the past. So that's one thing that's on RTE a lot more. It's on TG Car. It's on it's on terrestrial TV across all the participating countries, except in South Africa, I think, Super Sport. But yeah, viewing figures seem to be quite healthy. I wouldn't say um, attendances are as healthy. Um, there's still been a huge impact in COVID, not least in, in South Africa, reducing attendances there. But yes, I think it's catching on, Joe. I think that uh, a lot of people were too quick to judge the South African franchise in the early months of the season when they were forced to come on long extended tours due to the pandemic in, in the Northern Hemisphere and without their Springboks players. And they suffered accordingly. And uh, the European sides were ready for them. But we've seen a different um, animal since you know, the European teams have had to head back over there. Um, again, um, the Springboks are back playing for these franchises as well, so they're stronger. They're starting to get a few crowds. They're getting you know conditions in their favour in terms of heat and altitude a lot of the time. So we're seeing we're seeing a much more genuine picture of what the the URC is going to be like in years to come, Joe. And it's quite evident already that they are going to be a very strong factor in this competition. If they they will probably only get better, and um, this is going to make it harder and harder for. Teams in the Northern Hemisphere, and particularly the, the Welsh regions and some of the Welsh regions in Connacht and the Italians applied for getting in, into the top eight playoffs and for qualifying for the Champions Cup. There are flaws in the tournament. It's not entirely merit-based. When you think about it, Connacht have to play 12 sides. Unlike the 12 other sides in, in the table, they have to play Leinster, Munster and Ulster, who are near the top, both home and away. None of the others have to do this. Um, the Scottish sides get to play Zebra and Benetton twice, which... Um, no other sides do, apart from them. So it, it's very imbalanced. It's not a proper league. There are definitely flaws in it, and it's with us for two seasons. Thereafter, probably never again, because the RFU voted against this format, and it would need one unanimous approval for it to be in place again for a third season. That ain't going to happen. So it's got flaws, but I think it's catching fire. The old, if I'm going on a bit, Joe, apologies. The one thing the one thing that struck me talking to Martin and I uh, when he was presented to the media the other day, there is, it could do with a, a midweek kind of magazine program and maybe more of a highlights package. I think the coverage has been quite parochial and I include myself and the Irish Times in this and all of us in this in that we tend to watch the tournament purely through the prism of the four provinces and not perhaps 
as much of, you know, we haven't really come to terms with all 16 teams and it's hard to keep abreast of all six teams, but I think that means element needs to improve. Uh, first of all, that's a brilliant answer. It's just me and you here. So if you don't go on a bit, then I'm in severe trouble, <laughs> by the way. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, you know I'm good at that, Joe. That parochial point is a very interesting one. I think that extends to rugby uh, generally amongst yep. uh, the, the, the majority of quote-unquote rugby viewers. So for instance, like a Champions League evening, if PSG are playing Real Madrid, everybody in this country is sitting down to watch it. Yep. Whereas I think those same viewers in rugby who will be very inclined to watch Leinster against Leicester in the quarterfinal or Munster against Toulouse, I'd say the vast majority of them will just uh, check the Racing sale result on Sunday evening as opposed to sit down and watch it. There is that parochial aspect uh, to the majority, I think, of rugby watchers. And I'd say even more so in the new expanded URC than even in the Heineken Champions Cup. I would say there would be quite an interest in Racing, particularly with Mikey Prenders being there and certainly in the past when Simon Zebo was there. And, you know, I would say... The, the other <laughs> that's thing a, that's well, a very parochial reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do think because, you know, the Irish province have come across Racing yeah. quite a bit yeah, over yeah. the years as well. Um, whereas we haven't come across the South African franchise nearly as much. And let's be honest, the Pro 12 stroke Pro 14 had become a little bit boring in the sense that it wasn't the most exciting tournament in the world. Mm. And we didn't pay that. I mean, whatever, whatever about watching a French derby in the Heineken Champions Cup latter stages, um, what chance Irish viewers watching a Welsh derby or a Scottish derby or an Italian derby, yeah. or for that matter now, a South African derby uh, in the URC. And I do think even though it's only on pay-per-view that, you know, BT Sport and before them Sky did present the whole tournament as a package very well in its highlights package and so forth. And I just think some of the coverage, and I include myself and this, like I, up until a couple of weeks ago, Joe, I wasn't even putting in the other fixtures. When we put, whenever I was asked to do the weekend fixture list, I just put in the four Irish provinces that were playing in the URC. So I've actually, you know, in the last two weeks, I've started to, wait a second, really start putting in all the other fixtures as well. I, I, at least this is now getting quite relevant sure. in terms of the makeup of the final top eight. I doubt there was a single complaint, was there? No, no, there wasn't. Yeah. Although there have been complaints about the table not always being accurate. So there you go. On the South African point then, so uh, more Springboks, you suspect, are returning to South African club rugby. There is increasingly now the lure of the Heineken Champions Cup. So do you anticipate with the URC over the next uh, couple of years, and I, I don't know if the format changes might impact on that, but regardless, do, so do you think this uh, competition is going to become very South African dominated with the exceptions maybe of the Irish provinces. Is this isn't like going to become an Irish South African uh, tournament in the extreme? Um, I know it's been slightly distorted by the fact that they've got the home and awake fixtures against Zebra and Benetton, but the two Scottish regions are going quite well this season. Um, they both look like they're going to get into the playoffs. They both outperformed the Welsh. There is a lot of talk in Wales about you know, bringing frontliners home and increasing the budget and making the Welsh regions stronger again. I think it's going to have to force teams to pull up their socks, Joe, because otherwise it will be an Irish South African carve up. So it'll be interesting to see the effect of it. I don't have a crystal ball, but I know where you're coming from. I do feel that it's already having a strong kind of South African Irish feel to it. But I do think South Africans get stronger and stronger. It's mm. going to be tough for Connacht to keep pace with them as well. Well, I know even from talking to Matt Williams, I don't want to misquote him, but like one of his big arguments for not having South Africa ever in the Six Nations is he thinks they'll basically win it eight times <laughs> out of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, there is that fear, but it will upstand it. We also we all wanted this. Remember talking mm. with Andy Dunn in this program last week. You know, we forget like the Pro Twelve and Pro Fourteen wasn't rocking our boats, was it? No. And we did need, and you know, it was almost too easy for Leinster to win it four years in a row. Off, more often than not, without the bulk of their first frontline team for the vast majority of their games, and that doesn't say an awful lot for the tournament, does it? Mm. So you know. We can't have it every way. We want we want them to up standards, but if they're going to up standards, that means they have to be very good. Which that means they're going to take some of the European places and the qualifying places, and maybe get home ties and knockout stages, which would be a very awkward tie for say a, a team from Europe to have to con- contemplate a quarter final or a semi final in South Africa, a one off game, traveling there, traveling back, and you know maintaining, um, particularly if you're competing on both fronts, um, it's going to be tough. So I think that uh, I think. By and large, Joe, I think they're going to be good for the tournament. Mm. Um, I there's a part of me that and I know exactly where Matt Williams is coming from. In that, are we still going to call it the um, the, the European Cup in any way, shape, or form? It's just going to be the Heineken Champions Cup with the South African sides in it as well as the European sides. I certainly agree with Matt Williams that I would never want South Africa in the Six Nations. You and I have had this conversation before. They just don't belong in the Six Nations, in my humble view. And I think we shouldn't be sacrificing Italy and. It was great to see Italy score that fantastic last-minute winning try against Wales. Wasn't how much we all enjoyed that, and you know we want to keep this investment in Italian rugby because it's going to be good for the European game. Mm. Um, and I'm, I, but yeah, South Africa. I think they're going to become a major, major player in the URC. They are going to start to become. It's going to be tougher even for Leinster to start winning in future years because they will only get better. Joe, I'd imagine. The table at the moment, uh, with the exception of Leinster at the top, is very tight. Leinster on 61 points. You then have Stormers, 52. They play each other this weekend in Cape Town. And then you have Munster in third on 51. Sharks also on 51. Ulster also on 51. So uh, even just in, with regard to who might have home quarterfinals, uh, so much is going to change over the next couple of weeks, which I guess is all you can ask of a format, that it's close. On Leinster, quite an extraordinary uh, situation, really, whereby... Stuart Lancaster and the frontline players are all at home in Dublin plotting for Welford Road and it seems Leo Cullen and Dennis Leamy amongst others are out with the uh, Leinster squad in South Africa. There are not many team squads in the world who could manage that kind of arrangement. Very interesting. It is. Would they have been able to do it had they did not have a kind of like a 10 point buffer going over for those two games in South Africa? Like, if all else fails and they lose these two matches, they can still see a top one seeding by beating Munster in their last game at home. So in a sense, they had earned the right to do this through their performances in the URC. Mm-hmm. Whether they will have such leeway in the future with a sizable chunk of points in the bag, um, I doubt it. I think it's a bit of a one-off. You've got to remember as well, Joe, this is a, this is all new territory, even for Leinster, in the sense that if you factor in, there are now effectively five knockout matches in Europe, as well as three in the URC, if you include the last 16, two-legged tie, that's a first. We've never had eight knockout matches. And it's now, but after the South African leg, it's pretty much knockout matches all the way. Six, Lens would hope they'll have six knockout weekends. Realistically, when you factor in the frontliners play November tests, six nations, and are still to go to New Zealand, there's only so often you can bring them to the well. Like, you, there's, they just can't possibly play all these games. And, and it does mean they're going to be in a better position maybe to take on Leicester in the quarterfinal. And let's be honest, um, much as the URC might be improving, possibly to the detriment of uh, the URC, um, we view the Heineken Champions Cup as the be-all and end-all in Irish rugby. Yeah. I think that's even evident when I went to the Kingspan last um, Friday for the Munster match. 
the amount of empty seats and empty space in the terracing and the generally flat atmosphere and the flatness of the Ulster performance in the wake of going um, out of Europe to Toulouse. We just, you know, and Leinster fans and Leinster themselves are no different. They judge themselves through the prism of how they go perform in Europe. And over the last four years, they've won the, the equivalent of the URC each season. But the last three have been deemed relative failures because they've gone out in Europe. Mm. Dennis Leamy on the move is the interesting reporting this week as well. He's been at Leinster for this season as their contact skills coach. The reporting is he's going to go in with Graham Rentry as his defence coach. Leamy seems to be really raved about him. There's a, you know, the, 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 um, the sense is he's a really shrewd operator and this is a very good acquisition for Munster. Yeah, he's a smart boy. He eats, sleeps and drinks rugby. Um, he's a Munster boy, obviously, through and through. Um, he's a mar- marvellous bit of a firebrand flanker, a real Munster dog of war, um, but a very smart boy and knows his rugby. He, um, I first heard very impressive things about him when he was coaching young Munster. I know Ron O'Gara rates him highly as a coach. Um, Leinster don't hire duds for their coaching ticket. They've always had the best of coaching teams, don't they? It's... Um, uh, it's, a, it's a badge of honour if you've worked in the Leinster backroom team mm. and uh, yeah it would make it would be an obvious move for Graham Rontre to try and bring him back to Munster he would be hugely popular there as a forwards coach and maybe bring back Mike Prendergast as an attacks coach as well they would look the two most obvious choices to be part of the ticket yeah mm. Before the clock comes against a slightly shorter uh, version of Wednesday Night Rugby this evening than other evenings I really thought I was going on a bit too long there No 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 as I uh, suspected it would the England defeat has prompted much talk about the uh, state of the women's game in this country and there's been talk of professional contracts and uh, tacitly one way or another Greg McWilliams and, and uh, Neve Briggs have said look this uh, professionalism or certainly contracts are in the offing and I think uh, they are refused to left to appoint a head of women's performance and mm-hmm. pathways which is a new role as part of the uh, fallout from last year's failure to qualify from the World Cup and the various uh, reviews and reports so that's coming I suppose the more we talk about it and the more you listen to people talk about it, the more it becomes very obvious just how com- complex it's going to be to get this right. They, you know, Neve Briggs made the point, we can hand out 20 contracts in the morning. Like, what do those players do? Who do they do it with? What does that effect does that have? You know, and, and then countless other problems. Down the line. What if two of them are out of form in six months time and then, uh, you know, you've got two others you want to bring in or like, can we even tempt them away from their current roles, their current jobs, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of them are very career focused as well. Uh, I, I don't have don't have any uh, quick answers to all this. What shape do you suspect this is going to take, or what are you hearing about the next uh, eighteen months, twenty four months in Irish women's rugby? Well, I am hearing there are going to be the top tier players are going to be professionally contracted by next season. That's been in the offing. I think there's a recognition not just from the performance against England and Wales and how much more professional they are, but also even the Wales, sorry, England France, but also the Wales game first up when you look and you, it's not it just. Little thing, it's just not little things, big things, just the conditioning, the great period yeah. conditioning of the English players, and things like a line out mall and a scrum, which take time to hone on a training ground, are just so vastly superior. But they also have the structures, the underage structures in place as well. They've got under 18 teams, under 19 teams, under 20 teams. So, like, it's not as if England, particularly, and France are standing still. Ireland, even by trying to run quickly, are struggling just to even keep up with them and are already starting well behind. And I agree with you, they have to get all the underage structures in place as well. Um, and I think they are going to do that. There is talk of a kind of, if not a URC tournament, then kind of like a, a quasi BNI Cup that used to be for the men that will come to play for the women's game. 
I would doubt it's going to be necessarily all four provinces. It might be baby steps. It might be two franchises from Ireland competing with two from Wales, two from Scotland, something like that to give another layer to the below international level. But then they've also got to, you know, increase numbers playing. I believe numbers are up in women's rugby, but it's a long haul and it's not even the next generation. It's almost the one after that they have to get right as well, isn't it, Joe? Because, mm. as they say, they're just they're struggling just to keep pace at the rate that England English women's rugby is progressing. Well, in that recent review, I think they estimated 1,400 senior registered female players mm. across the entire island. That's just not mm-hmm. enough. No, it's not. Um, it's going up slightly, but it needs to go up a lot more. And there, there probably need to be more clubs and more club teams and more club coaches to make this viable. But there, I was talking with you just, I was talking to Colin McEntee, the domestic games manager, he said that women's numbers are actually up since the on pre-pandemic levels. Not a modest increase, whereas... Yeah. Men, male numbers are down, particularly adult men. Yes. Well, there was a sense of people not returning to their teams, I think, after the Absolutely. break. Absolutely. Yeah. Closed down for two years. Like that, I would imagine that's the same story everywhere, though. That layer you mentioned there, that's I, that, that sounds like oh, that could really be of benefit. So AIL is just probably too big a jump to playing against England the following weekend. And so yeah. that, that whether it's, uh, you know, one or two or three franchises in time, uh, seems like a great solution. And that way you can... You can keep uh, 40, well, 40, 50 professionals. But it, it would be a loss maker initially, sh- for sure. Uh, so, like, who would fund this, do we think? Yeah, I that's a good point. I don't know. Like, the, it is, like, a lot of women's rugby at the moment is still loss making. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's it, it's a relatively fledgling professional sport. Mm. Um, and like I see, there's no prize money for the women's Six Nations, but there's very little prize money around in rugby, even in the URC or the Heineken Champions Cup, whatever. It's the, the Six Nations is, you know, the, the the money provider for pretty much everything in Irish rugby and I'd say for the Welsh and the Scottish as well which and it funds the whole game going all the way down to grassroots level and all the way up through the pyramid but if you think back to the mid-90s when Ireland when the game first went professional and Ireland, Irish rugby initially struggled to keep pace with um, England and France a lot of what's happening in the women's game now mirrors that then and the gap was bridged by the provinces not by the clubs there was even silly talk maybe of potentially the clubs representing Ireland in in the European Cup. Obviously, that would never have worked. Um, and even the provinces to begin with weren't properly equipped to cope. Like, you know, Munster conceding over 60 points away to Toulouse before eventually beating them in Bordeaux in the 2000 semi-finals. That was only after the entire squad was made professional. Mm. We are out of time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Not all, Joe. Good talking to you as ever. Cheers. Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times with us there on our Wednesday Night Rugby this evening, which is, with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team, we all belong to the team of us. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish Rugby team, we all belong to the team of us.